Hey everybody, it's the Gameology Podcast, episode 25, all about side quests. I am one of your hosts, Matthew Falvey. And I am Attila Gabriel Brzezinski from Blue Screen Productions. Today we are talking about side quests in games. Yeah. Attila, do you want to start us off? You know, it's actually been so long since our last recording session, I don't remember which one of us suggested the topic. I think it was you. I think so too. I think I was I was playing Deus Ex, and I love the franchise but the side, I was really torn between like, what makes these side quests good? What makes them bad? Mm-hmm. What makes you feel like you're just running from point A to point B? What elevates it and takes it beyond? I mean, you, there's so much I want to talk about with this. You've got games like Elder Scrolls and mm-hmm. Live or Die in side quests. People sometimes play those games for years and never finish the main quest. Yeah. And it's just, it's an integral part that is so important when you're designing a game of a certain type. Yeah. It's most common in RPGs. You don't typically see side quests in a lot of other genres. No, but if you break it down to like a platformer, let's say Super Mario, um, you don't have to go down the pipes. Yeah. I mean, so the, the sort of like uh, in other games, it's sort of like either um, bonus objectives or um, sort of completion of a stage. Like you can can sort of set your own objectives and stuff within a mario stage of like how much of it you explore how many coins you get how many like hidden one-up blocks you find but those are sort of self-set objectives they're not quests because they're well i should say they're self-imposed quests they're not things that an npc has come up to you and say like hey i need help with x or whatever and they're the ones sort of putting the quest to you to you what you which is you which is sort of when they think of when they hear the term side quest that's what yeah. jumps people's minds i think you're thinking of a yeah rpg format you're mm-hmm. thinking of that long list in your journal which is which is a very nice addition we've seen in gaming because in say the playstation one era a lot of times you didn't have a handy dandy journal that auto updated mm-hmm. i remember the first time i played final fantasy 7 getting incredibly lost because i couldn't remember what that person in the town said to go do and not only is jotting down your side quest or your main quest mm-hmm. into a journal a good reminder of where to go in case you forget in case you go play paper mario for a while and then you come back to final fantasy it's also a way of the game letting you know that this is the thing you need to do because with that that's it's like okay you've got the entry in your journal mm-hmm. that's what you got to do now yeah I, I don't think that that kind of like exposing that information to the player is never a bad thing like in in terms of design giving people like uh clear and concise objectives um giving people the option to like put objective markers on their map um giving people the option to like have exclamation points above quest givers heads is like having that layer of information available to the player is never going to be a bad thing but don't you think that that ruins a sense of exploration and finding something out on your own i said the option right Ah. because you there you sometimes you've cleared out like 90 percent of a town's quest and you're like where the hell is that last? Yeah. Oh, God damn it. I guess I'm going to go talk to every single person all over again. But if you can just yeah, throw in that info layer. That. Yeah. If you can just throw in that info layer and be like, oh, that guy. I thought I talked to that guy. Oh, maybe something's changed. Like one quest that I completed has unlocked his quest. And now he's got something to say to me, whereas before he didn't. I think Dead Space did a really good job of that where you were infiltrating this uh, horror, horror-themed mm-hmm. starship. And then if you were, anytime you got lost, you could just click a button down and I don't understand the technology of it, but a, a guided light would mm-hmm. uh, would show you the way to go. It wasn't on all the time. You didn't need it. It just was just in case you need it. Here's a little here's a little tap in the right direction. Yeah, they, when I was playing Bioshock Infinite, they had something very similar to that, and it, it usually wasn't necessary because the game was mostly linear. But every once in a while, you could get a bit turned around. Um, 
you know the main reason I like that mm. is because um, I'm the kind of player where if I'm in an RPG or a town or whatever, I'll want to like sort of do everything I can in that space before advancing the plot. Yeah. And I hear a lot of people say this. I hear a lot of people saying the reason I love knowing the objective point is so I can do everything else first, because there's almost nothing more frustrating than like accidentally going the right way and cutting off a whole bunch of opportunities for like exploration. Oh yeah. There is a slight rise in anxiety when I see two alternate paths Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, I almost, I look, well, that's probably the obvious way to go. I'm going to go check out all these little side paths. Or like when when a game drops you in a level, I immediately want to turn around and check out if there's anything behind me before moving on. Yeah. So having that information, um, like logging your side quests, where you need to go for your side quests, um, what items you might need to acquire as part of the side quest. Any information that has been exposed to the player should be accessible to them. If it's information that they wouldn't otherwise be privy to, it's something they have to figure out on their own, then you don't need to show that until they've discovered it for themselves. Absolutely. So if we're talking about side quests in in a, in the probably the most standard definition, not necessary to the game, and it's there... They're ancillary. Yeah. Great word. And... They're there, so I think that they can be used for pacing, mm-hmm. where if the main quest is um, is more like, a, not adrenaline fuel, but is more high tempo, we need to get this done, a side quest could be something, I mean, something even like an Ocarina of Time going fishing mm-hmm. could be considered some kind of side quest, or like gathering up a bunch of chickens. And I remember when I was first playing games, I loved those. I found that those, it felt like I was getting more value out of the game at the time, and it felt like they were just these little fun breathers i mean a game doesn't doesn't have to be all the time the same tone mm-hmm. i mean that can get very grating especially and that's probably why we see these a lot of times in rpgs because to do something at your own pace uh and an rpg is going to be 40 hours long to be able to break it down take a side quest that's a bit more meditative and that's really if you're talking about an open world game you almost everything basically almost everything has to be a side quest in a way yeah like mmos are uh, at least traditional ones we're starting to see a bit more deviation from this formula thankfully but you know nothing kind of took me out of playing uh world of warcraft like when i i have this um experience where i i tried the game and then i sort of gave up on it and then they sort of came back with the prey uh, play free until level 20 mm. um and they did this great thing where they let you download the game and start playing it before it even finishes installing all the files classic blizzard yeah and that's amazing um because it let me try the game play the starting area get three quests into the game and give up on it before it had finished downloading oh really yeah what quest did it give it up uh i this was playing back in uh, burning crusade and um because i think that even though they said like um i don't remember which expansion had just come out but that was not the expansion that you can play for free up to level 20 this was like they sort of um, they still only had starting areas available for the Burning Crusade, so I picked the um, trainee, I think. I don't know. I never really got that far into the game. Um, and first quest I got, go, t- go kill 10 guys and bring me back um, some of their beaks or whatever. Um, second quest I got, go kill 10 of these other things and bring me back 10 of these other items. Okay, third quest I got. Yeah. Go heal 10 guys. It's like, oh, that's barely different. And I was like, okay, if the, if the whole game is just going to be a whole bunch of this until I finally start getting into the late game, more interesting stuff, um, stuff that you can only accomplish with other players, 
I didn't play the game with anyone at the time, so I had no reason to stay in the world. And yeah, I was able to give up on it before it finished downloading. And that's that's a big thing for Sidegrowth with me is, does this feel meaningful? Mm-hmm. And in, say, Day of Sex, Mankind Divided, what I wanted was um, little story arcs to play out. Yeah. Uh, and what I found they just were not hitting more often than not was that they would introduce a character in a side quest. Mm-hmm. And before you even had the chance to care about them, because you hadn't interacted with them mm-hmm. enough you were making a decision on their life or something. And it just, it felt very hollow in the way, whereas a game can't just keep telling you, oh, this person's in danger, blah, blah, blah. If you don't actually care about them, Mm. if they haven't come with you on an escort mission, or if they haven't given you something maybe, or you haven't given something to them, you need something to build that bond. I mean, that's uh, what is so great about The Last of Us is that you are working together. You're helping Ellie. Ellie's helping Joel. When you get separated, it's meaningful. Playing Titanfall recently, you're working together with this mech. You're protecting it. It's mm-hmm. protecting you. You care more about it. There was a really nice side quest done in Mankind Divided where they actually let it go longer than a couple other ones, and it lasted over sort of a few different objectives. And then at the very last second, they threw a decision at you that made you choose between two people's lives. You thought you were going on a quick little errand, breaking into a building. You were going to help these two people, but at the last moment, you only had... 30 seconds too, which is a very, very good mechanic to throw in that time. And now you have to make a decision about these people that you've heard enough stories and you've interacted with. Now, if, if you don't, not every game has to have a story. So if you don't have that, and it's just going to be go get these 10 things, go get these five things, then the act has to be what is very interesting about it. Is it, is it exploring to find where these 10 people to heal are? Is it just like the the storytelling that kind of incidental storytelling that happens in wow on your way to kill 10 people like where is the draw yeah i'm the way i'd sort of um composed my notes the conclusion i sort of came to is that probably some of the best side quests uh that i can think of are ones that were tied into the core narrative in some way um but what comes to mind is the um companion quests in the mass effect series oh Specifically, yeah. like in mass effect 2 where these are these teammates that you've like fought alongside with and then there's something you can do to like you know mechanically earn their loyalty and help them um gain some ability or whatever um but in terms of like story-wise and lore-wise um they were a lot of like really big payoffs, um, finding things out about these characters that you didn't know, watching them grow as people, as characters in the game. Uh, and those all felt really cool and really well done. I think they said they're coming back for Max Effect Andromeda, so I'm really looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but short of that, I mean, if you don't have a sort of tie into the main story for a side quest, then the I think the second best thing you can do is tell a story that takes place in the world and help builds out uh, helps to build out the world um but if you have like absolutely no narrative component whatsoever like i don't know it just it it feels like it it falls so flat like it ends up being so dry that unless you just have a game that is really fun to play and then essentially the side quest boils down to a bit more of that game that you wouldn't have necessarily experienced unless you'd gone down a different path, then I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know what, um, what would draw you in about, um, completing anything other than the main objective. Yeah. It's, 
I mean, if, well, if you look, I mean, Mass Effect is such a perfect example, and Mass Effect Two really nailed it. It just makes me think of um, mysterious Jack down in the lower decks and trying to get to know her story. Mm-hmm. And you're only going to get to know her story from find, you know, accomplishing these side quests, watching her open up to you, and then whether that becomes a romance option or whatever is, you know, is another way to have that payoff. Allie. Okay. He's so adorable. I think I tried Jack, but I you couldn't get the. But I was playing a female Shepherd because I liked her, her uh, voice acting mm-hmm. uh, voice a lot better. But um, yeah, but Tally's very cool. Uh, it's 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 seeing that payoff, or in a game like a Shadowrun, Dragonfall did it really well. It's the same thing with these with these side quests because you're going on the mission with them, mm-hmm. and they might be saving your life in this instance. You're saving their life, and then getting not only the narrative payoff, but like the the act of it and and the physical gameplay too, where you're going through, and it's and it's that is the very definition of the side quest where you're going off away from the main objective, but it's just exploring that as much as possible before coming back. So. And Dragonfall did that really well because that was a game of Shadowrunners and in the Shadowrun universe you have all these people that are, it's all gray area. Mm-hmm. Even though you're technically, you think you're the good guys because it's your team, but all these people are very damaged and you delve into their life and see what took people who'd wanted to be good and what was that thing that made them, you know, twisted them into this life and and pushed them into that gray area. So, But if you look at a game like, um, I think Elder Scrolls usually does it pretty well, at least in Morrowind, which is the one I played mm-hmm. the most of. You can uh, build up your ranks in these different guilds. That's all completely optional. The game really encourages you to do side quests. Like the first person you meet in the main quest, Caius Calades, he says, uh, go do some other missions before you come back. There's no rush mm-hmm. in that game. It's not like, because that can provide a big disconnect. Yeah. When a game tells you, we got to save the world. But if you want to go over there and like breed chocobos for yeah. 20 hours, you know, feel free to do that too. <laughs> So in that way, with Morrowind, you you shape the fate with these side quests. Which guild is going to rise to prominence and your actions influencing others? And that one gives you such agency and lets you tell your own story in a way that I find a lot of role-playing games, you are playing a very specific role, mm-hmm. and it's a very linear role. Yeah. Whereas a game like Elder Scrolls, because of those side quests, it lets you play a role-playing game in the in the most traditional sense of the word mm-hmm. i think that yeah you, you actually touched upon a really um sort of um compelling aspect of a um completing side quests that being if you're not taking a small piece of the core narrative and if you're not experiencing um sort of subplot then the best thing a side quest can do is have you contribute to the story of the world where it is like a story that you're writing that you feel like your actions have an impact on the world around you. That's also something that's incredibly compelling. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, um, and we talked about Shadowrun for the mm-hmm. Genesis on this. <laughs> you talked a lot about Shadowrun. Yeah, I loved it. And there are three different gangs in that game. And as you write, and then throughout, you're going to have random encounters with gangs trying to beat you up. And then whatever gang you end up, uh, um, sort of joining and then having this big influence with that'll grant you protection. And then that's kind of the ones where you fill in on the side of like, well, I would imagine that if I help them, then that would disrupt some others. But yeah, really that's, and that's what I think Morrowind did a lot better than say something like Skyrim, where you could see your actions in the world. People mm-hmm. would treat you differently. People would treat other people differently because of that. Yeah. Um, the Witcher had a lot of great examples of, seeing your consequences in the world and and having to make this, uh, tough decisions. I'm a huge fan of gray area. Every There was an interview they were doing with a CIA operative, and she said the 
biggest thing she learned from it was that everybody thinks they're the good guy mm-hmm. or good gal. You know, everyone has, everyone thinks the other people are terrorists and they're freedom fighters. It's, so that, I'd like to see that displayed more in games and show people's motivations and sympathetic villains other than, I mean, unless it's just like a cartoony game where I don't think Bowser thinks he's <laughs> in the right. I mean, it's one of those like most simple lessons we try to impart to kids is like try to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. And it's actually really difficult. We are just wired to think a certain way. We are wired to sort of self-justify our actions um, to a very personal level because it helps us sleep at night. Um, but let's talk a bit about reward. One, one quick thing oh, about, yeah, yeah, about uh, walking in someone else's shoes. Video games are the perfect medium for that because yes. you are literally walking in their shoes. Mm-hmm. And I think that the the strongest narratives we experience are the ones which help us confront situations where our own ideas are called into question and the consequences of those actions are uh, can play out in front of us and we get to see exactly what happens. And I think... Um, you know, when you when you think about completing some of these quests, we've already talked about sort of the consequence of some of these quests, um, how they impact the world. Um, but there's also the sort of traditional reward component to quests. And I think that um, part of that, like calling it a reward for completing a quest, um, we, we get we get uh, mired sometimes in the uh, sort of terminology, the core definitions of how things used to be that ultimately it ends up um, limiting the kinds of experiences we try to create because we're sort of trying to match them to this template of how games used to be. And really, if we if we want to build like new experiences, we can't try to make everything fit into that template as, as perfectly as it once might have. As, as like game systems might have not allowed these kinds of things. Like in a game system... It might have been that quests are programmed in such that they have to have an experience reward and a money reward. Like that's just an argument that is waiting to be filled. And if you don't put one, then the game crashes. Whereas now we can, um, thankfully, with uh, advanced advances in uh, programming and techniques and design ideology and so forth, we can really. Um, weave more complex uh, quests and quote unquote rewards into these um, into these uh, side quests, uh, including things like uh, having companion characters available to like aid the player, um, things like um, unique items that aren't just like things that you could find just in the world. Um, not, not to say that getting a money reward and experience reward doesn't feel like good. Like that, those are all things that sort of contribute to what you want. Um, helps, helps your sort of overall progression in the game. If it is a sort of like level based game, you want to be rewarded with experience. Um, if you, if money is important in the game, then earning money as a result of a quest is important. Um, but finding like unique items, finding items that actually contribute to the story of the world, items that might have a bit of lore associated with them, it's something Dark Souls does really well. Or or change the uh, the gameplay mechanic. I mean, one of my favorite things to find in Deus Ex Human Revolution, mm-hmm. one of the few games I would explore is because every time you unlock these Paraxis points, you have a new ability that can change how you play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's just, a, it's just a matter of trying to create, um, not, not getting sort of locked into the traditional... Um, frankly, played out system of quests where it's like, go to X place, kill X things, bring me back X things, and you get money and experience. It's trying to create things that go beyond those um, to really 
flesh out the narrative of the world, to really like build the world, draw people's attention to like places in your game that you might have spent a long time creating. Like if there's um, some piece of architecture in a game, it feels so much more interesting if that has a purpose and if like a quest takes place surrounding it and you get to find out why something is there. When the world is sort of built along those lines of like everything has a purpose or a meaning, it feels much more cohesive and it makes the game overall a much better experience. You know, something you don't see too often is more of a visual representation of of a quest. Let's say you do a quest that demolishes a building or you do a quest that allows a, a building or an artifact to raise up or changes the weather system. Instead of it just being tied to experience bars mm-hmm. and you did good, so now you have more of these numbers filling up, why not use the power of the visuals we can now accomplish and, and show that in the world. I mean, that was the promise we had from Fable. Mm-hmm. The first one, he said, everything, oh, you'll see the muscles grow and he'll get scars. You know, and that was sort of a very half-baked, unfulfilled promise, but that idea is still very strong. And it's something I'd like to see more often in games, especially RPGs, seeing seeing those blades of grass get cut and mm-hmm. cause a, a butterfly effect that starts a forest fire. It, who knows what's on the horizon? Well, that is going to do it for side quests. Attila is probably going to be putting up some extended thoughts on his website. Maybe, maybe not. I've been uh, I've been going towards the more sort of like summary episode style of things. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe I will on uh, on the nineteeskid dot com. Um, you can follow me there on nineties kid dot com or our YouTube channel. You can find me on Twitter at Game Think Talk and Attila. You can follow me on Twitter at Bluish Green Pro. Um, you can also check out my website, bluishgreenproductions.com for all the latest episodes of Gameology and occasionally information about some of my other game titles. Bye for now. <laughs>